Welcome to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. So if, like me, you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. And in this, my inaugural edition of the show, I am thrilled to welcome my friend and a leader in the world of content operations, Meg Walsh. Meg is a self-proclaimed content nerd and amateur photographer. She's passionate about the how of content and driven to help teams and organizations recognize content as a critical business asset rather than the afterthought it often becomes. Meg has reported up through many different teams in both small not-for-profits and large enterprises and has worked for marketing, digital, and technology organizations, giving her a really unique view of content and how it can be best stored, managed, and published. She recently transitioned from 14 years in the hospitality industry to start with AWS in January in a new role made just for her, building out the product management discipline in support of the technical documentation team. Welcome, Meg. I am so excited to have you as my first guest, and thanks for agreeing to be my guinea pig. I'm so honored. Thank you for having me. So you've been pretty busy this first part of 2022. New gig, new digs. Congrats, by the way. What uh, what a great adv- way to emerge out of this COVID chaos we've all been living in. And I was trying to remember when we met, and I figured out we've probably known each other going on 10 years now, if you can believe it. And I think it was probably at Gilbane where we first met. Yeah, I... I can't believe it's been 10 years, but that sounds about right. And I'm pretty sure it was Boston. Yes. Um, so Gilbane sounds right. Excellent. All right. So let's get into the topic of the day and start with a few rapid fire question and answers. You ready? Yep. I'm ready. All right. So what's the first career you remember wanting to do when you were, grew up, when you were growing up? Elementary school teacher. That's brave. Um, <laughs> who was your first big influence in your life that you remember? You know, I, I could easily say either of my parents here for, for very different reasons, but um, it was actually, it was a teacher. It was my second grade teacher, Mrs. Hader. I, I'm totally dating myself, but it was 1980 and there was a presidential election happening here in the States. And we talked even, you know, in second grade, a lot about the presidency and the first ladies um, and the role of of not just the president, but the women in their lives at that point. Uh, We didn't yet have a first gentleman um, to, you know, and and it was a way that I I gained entry into politics and my love of history and in particular um, the White House and and that role. And and that's that's carried me through. I I can still see her. I can see her bright pink lipstick. Um, You know, she really, she, she made an impression. Well, bright pink lipstick. I'm not sure that's your fashion choice, but that's not my color. Good for you. And lastly, what song would you say epitomizes your career path? I also I struggled with this one, um, but but the song that actually came to mind first was Nine to Five by Dolly Parton. Um, one, because who doesn't love Dolly? Um, but also, you know, she the start of the song is really like it's about getting up and going to work and kind of, and being that person, right? Which I I am definitely that responsible person, but she also talks about finding your tribe and, um, you know, and, and, you know, coming together to do more and better uh, in, in your work. And it, you know, becomes more of a mantra song, right. Than a, um, than a, than a rote song. And so I I think I'm going to go with nine to five. Well, you know what? I think, I, first of all, I wouldn't have pegged you for a Dolly fan, but like you said, who doesn't love Dolly? 
Um, and I think that's interesting because, you know, like you said, that that song, the movie is definitely about empowerment and and making your own path. And if it's if somebody doesn't give you the opportunity, taking the opportunity. Yep. Um, so which, you know, through the conversations we've had over the years, I know you've really created the opportunities in your in your journey to get to where you are today. So, you know, tell me a little bit about that journey and, and how you got to be this thought leader and from a content operations perspective. Yeah, I'm still, I, I can take, I can take you through the steps, but I'm, there are days I'm, like, I'm still not really sure how I got here because I, I, I went to school to be a teacher. I intended to become a teacher when I went to college and very quickly learned I did not enjoy being in the classroom. Um, so, you know, it was, you know, step one was saying, but I really love education and I'm passionate about this, the, the subject matter of public education. Um, and so I went into a role with a nonprofit down in Atlanta, Georgia, that focuses on public education improvement. Um, they still do the Georgia Partnership for Excellence in Education. And I got to do a lot of community facilitation in that role. And, and it was a lot about about partnership and how communities could work together to improve their public schools. So I got a little bit of teaching in there, right? In, in, the, in the facilitation side, but I learned that I really loved, you know, connecting people and helping solve problems. And, you know, and that, that became kind of the theme in, in my roles because my next role was, was with IBM and it was online community partnerships versus in-person community partnerships. And it was focused on business, different businesses working together using, using tools. This was the start of the internet. Um, again, now everybody will figure out how old I am, right? but it was the start of the internet. And people were starting to use things like online meetings and, um, and chat and shared workspaces. And that was really my first entry into content, content management. I didn't know that's what it was, um, but then you know, my next job, which was another nonprofit, was purely content management. And I, I kind of took these facilitation to teaching to you know, how, how you can store and, and partner around documents into you know, content management for, for websites and, and grew then from nonprofit uh, at ASCO to Marriott to Hilton, really increasing my focus around how do we build, store, manage, and present content to customers in a meaningful um, and consumable way um, that also is not painful on the internal side to, to complete because we often sacrifice the, the executor or the content author experience to deliver better. Um, and I don't think those are mutually exclusive. And a lot of that goes back to those first community sessions in Georgia and saying, you don't, this doesn't have to be hard. Like we, we, you just need to understand and plan and be thoughtful about how you do things. And, and that's really been the theme um, as I, as I've gone through it. So, so content management wasn't a job when I, when I went to college, it wasn't even a job. I don't think really when I got out of college, um, but it's, it's a space that I've, I found myself exploring uh, more and more in each role. Yeah. And if, you know, it's really interesting because again, it, it certainly wasn't, I mean, you can go out and get a master's and, and probably PhDs in content studies now. I mean, it's just become such a thing. It is the, the anchor that drives all experiences and you very early in your career, whether it was purposeful or serendipitous, um, you ended up 
creating a career in content and experiences and not just, you know, the external customer experience that so many organizations are focused on, but you introspectively looked at it and said, Hey, you know what? I'm an internal individual. I'm someone who's dealing with internal customers rather than external customers for the most part. I mean, you did have a couple of gigs there that you were definitely community-based and and out, out there with, with the external um, audiences, but you recognize the importance of content to both sides of the fence, which, you know, companies still struggle with today. So, you know, that's really amazing. And I'm wondering, you know, is there, was there something you can remember just, you know, like a nugget where you went, content is it, like content is really important and it needs to be um, promoted and cared for in the business environment? I think the, the, the big transition moment for me was I, I was at ASCO, which is the American Society of Clinical Oncology. And we were, I, I was in the technology department and I was really responsible for the content management system. And we were entering into a complete rewrite of the CMS and the front end customer website because we, we needed to upgrade. Um, and so we were, we were moving from you know, one coding language into a, a different, which meant start from scratch. And so it was my first opportunity to, to take a step back and say like, not say like, we actually said like, what does this need to be? How would we break, how do we start to model content? Which wasn't a concept I, I really understood, but somehow intuitively knew that we need to think about how we break these pieces down um, and and organize them in a way that is easy to update and maintain, but can still drive the right front end experience. And and I got to see the end to end as as part of that effort. And it was like, this is interesting, right? Because um, you can can duct tape and and band-aid things to to get it to look right to to the end customer. But if you're jumping through hoops and standing on your head every time you have to do a piece of work to make a change, then everybody's miserable. Um, and really understanding the content author community and how that impacts the customer experience, because the content authors often think of themselves as the subject matter experts about the customer. And in some cases, they are. In others, not, not quite as expert as they think they are, um, is was a real eye-opening moment in in that role and really changed how I centered my work. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, I, I love that you talk about, you know, the end to end of content, something that we often talk about um, when we talk to our clients about content ops and strategy is thinking about it from that ideation through to archive. And you've, your career has really provided you that opportunity. Now in your current role, the new gig, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're very much focused on, you know, sort of the tail end of documentation of, of content, right? Because when you talk, think about technical documentation, that's the stuff that's written when all is said and done and it's ready to go and, and whatnot. So a little bit different from what you were doing with Marriott. Um, certainly you're not seeing the pretty pictures from lands afar and as an avid traveler, I'm sure that was part of the fun. Um, but so in your current role, what is it that that makes you want to get up in the morning? What is it that, that you decided? And, you know, for our, our listening audience, um, this was not the only role you had at your feet this, this, at the beginning of this year, you were looking at two or three different 
opportunities from three very different companies um, and different roles. What was it about the AWS role that got you excited and, and drives you now to, you know, get excited besides your morning cup of coffee? Uh, it, it, all, all of the roles that I was considering, and I was lucky that I had, you know, I had choice. Um, they all interested me and challenged me and, and, and would have allowed me to, to grow, which was absolutely critical. I, I don't believe it's worth making, for me, it was not worth making a move if I wasn't going to learn something. But the AWS role made me a little bit sick to my stomach with nerves. And, and it, it was definitely, it not was, it is definitely a little bit out of my comfort zone. It builds on my core skills and strengths and experience. But I have responsibility, not just for product ownership of the authoring experience, but for our customer experience around documentation too. I now own the end-to-end -end of that. And that's exciting and challenging and hard and, um, and will use muscles that I haven't fully developed yet. And, and I'm really excited about that. And that's, that's part of what, what gets me out uh, of bed in the morning for this role. You know, and technical content is different from marketing content. It's a different lens. It's it's a diff, it's serving a different need, and understanding that and and seeing what then in the underlying plumbing structure model processes really needs to be different from how we might do it for more marketing focused content is also really appealing to me. There, there's a lot for me to learn. Um, and, and potentially influence in, in how AWS wants to address that pre-production um, experience. So um, I, I'm not bored. Um, I'm, building a I'm getting to build a team, which is another thing I really love um, and, and add value and, and contribute in a meaningful way. And, and those are things that really matter to me. And, and AWS can have the whole package this time around. Yeah. And, and it's amazing that, you know, the fact that, so you like me, um, were dogs on the bone for a challenge, right? Just mm -hmm. if it's, if, if somebody tells you, you can't do it, then you and I are the, the type of people who are the first to sign up and prove others that yes, you can. So I'm curious, you know, from a, from a challenges, when you look back over your, your, your 20 years or so in, in content, what have been the biggest challenges and where have you had to make compromises and, you know, whether that's from a role or um, reporting, you know, what is it that you look back and go, yeah, I really learned from that. And whether you dealt with it the right way or not, you know, what's the lesson learned? So um, from, from a challenge perspective, I think I don't, fit easily or cleanly into a single discipline, right? Like when I, I, we're lucky that this content community is super vibrant, right? And there are lots of different sub-disciplines. There's content design, there's content strategy, there's copywriting, there's information architecture. There, there are all these, there's content operations, right? There's all these different roles. Um, and I don't fit in any one perfectly. And so big challenge for me has been finding jobs, right? It's been finding and forging this path because it's hard for me to find a job description online that I really think I suit because they're, they're generally very discipline centric where I've been more of a horizontal, right? Like I, I'm the cross-discipline person. 
Um, and so it's been both a, you know, a challenge, I think, and, and a benefit for me because I've been willing to, to take roles that didn't have any real definition or had very limited definition and build them into something. And in, I think all roles except one uh, in my career, I've been the first person in the role. So, you know, that has been um, that, that process then of figuring out what's next when I'm ready for the next challenge, um, that certainly has, has contributed. Um, so, so forging the path has, has, been, has been hard. Um, and I've also found um, a challenge in, in each role has, has been a different place in the argument of establishing content as a valuable asset in and of itself. Um, right, that it is worthy of, you know, investment in, in technology and process and measurement. Um, it, it's not just about the, the customer experience of the content or with the content. The internal authoring experience is very important. And what we know about and how we can leverage content in different ways I think is a really undertapped opportunity for many companies, um, but it's also very nebulous and you have to dig in and figure it out and you have to make investment in, in the technology that you have and how you store it and tag it and distribute it. Um, that can be overwhelming and often gets put on the back burner. I mean, how many clients do you have? Because I know I've worked for these companies where straight up, you know, core CMS doesn't get upgraded until it's you know, and then it goes well out of support and you're working on, you know, five, six, seven-year-old technology to drive your, your commerce engines. I think people sacrifice the underlying content um, structures and, you know, that challenge is, is everywhere. In, it's just different, different moments in that, that argument or that, um, that roadmap that is, you know, that a, per, a, that a company sits in. Um, but that's an ongoing challenge. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, from a challenge when you bring up the the content technology and certainly the the content or Martech stack, as it's often called, um, of late has evolved so drastically um, and expanded. And where you know there was a conversation several years ago about the CMO being the new CIO or CTO, which I don't buy into. But um, you know, the business is owning and understanding and taking a vested interest in the technology stack more and more. And I'm not sure that organizations, the culture has caught up with that. Um, and certainly from, you know, you and I have come up through a, a world of very male dominated spaces mm -hmm. um, and, you know, advocacy for oneself, not only just to be at the table, but then to be heard at the table and then to talk technical at the table, you know, that's that's something I've seen you do very successfully, um, and you know that I think has been a, a partially because of your strength of character and and um, you know going after what you want. But I also think you've had some really great teams that you've worked with that that I've been able to experience with you. Um, and so, you know, we've been talking a lot about content, um, and I know teaching was you know a light back in you know when you were younger. But now that you've got, you know, some time under your belt and, and different opportunities that you've experienced, and I think I could probably guess the answer to this, being a fellow passionate photographer and traveler, but I may be surprised. 
if you weren't a content professional, what would you be? I'm going to surprise you, Kathy. Um, I am a huge fan of Antiques Roadshow. And I think I would like to be an appraiser. I mean, you, you, okay. you, I am you, surprised, <laughs> right? I mean, but you think they, they dig into the history of things, which I love. Um, and then they teach people about them. Right. So, so for me, it, it, that role looks like a nirvana of, you know, learning and teaching as, as a cycle. And, um, yeah, so I, you know, would, I think I'd be all in on, on, um, going into, the, the antique appraisal um, industry. All right. Well, color me surprised. You got me. I, that would not have been one of the ones that I I'm, pulled out of my I'm, hat for you. I'm so pleased I surprised you. <laughs> There's been a couple of surprises now. We've got Dolly Parton and Antique Roadshow. So this has been fantastic. Such a great conversation. I have learned some new things, surprising new things about you. Um, but one final question. And mm -hmm. as the fifth of six kids, I'm mm -hmm. sure you have a lot of advice on surviving, just surviving and success. Um, but for our listeners, particularly the women in our audience, what would be your, your, you think the most important piece of advice you could give, whether it's life, career, success, happiness that you'd like to share? So this is a two-parter. Um, number one is challenge yourself you know, go for roles that seem out of your comfort zone um, and always, always negotiate. You know, I, I, at one point in my career, I got a job offer for more money than I was expecting. And I made myself ask for more and I got it, right? Asking for what you deserve um, takes practice, right? Especially for women. So, so make it a practice, you know, you can do it in small ways, um, but, but challenge yourself and, 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 and negotiate um, for yourself because you deserve it. And then the second piece is build your community and, and that can be a personal community, but in this case, I'm, I'm specifically talking about a professional community. I am incredibly shy and introverted and I pushed myself to submit a presentation brief to actually it was Gilbane for a breakout session because I wanted I wanted to challenge myself and push myself out of my comfort zone and I got main stage so instead of talking to like forty people I talked to six hundred um, and from that one one presentation I have built such a tremendous and supportive professional community you're a member of that community right and. And these are people I trust and use as advisors and confidants. They understand me and the things I'm passionate about. And those relationships have been invaluable because they're about me, right? They're not about the job. And, and having, having that set of, of advisors and people who will be honest with you is, um, is so important. And I think in particular for women, finding that, that community, which for me is both men and women. It's not, you know, it, my tribe is not just women, um, but it is the women I think who have had the, the, you know, some of the biggest impact on, on my decisions and, and my perspective of myself. Um, and for that, you know, I, I thank them. Well, that is amazing. I couldn't agree with you more. And I count myself very lucky to be a part of your tribe um, and to be able to call you friend as well. So 
Meg, thank you so much for joining me today and helping me kick off my new podcast. This has been such a great conversation. I've learned some new things, as I mentioned. Um, but for anyone out there who wants to connect with you, where can they find you? Uh, the best place is probably through LinkedIn. Um, my, my LinkedIn is Megan, M-E-G-H-A-N, Walsh. Um, but please feel free to, to drop me a, a connect request and please include um, in the a, a note if you do that and let me know that you you came to me through listening to the podcast. That's great. And thank you again, Meg. To my audience, thanks for listening to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Meg and hearing about her journey to content guru status. If you're keen to hear more stories from amazing women, join me next week when I'll be speaking with Nicola Kastner, the event strategist, and hearing about some of the amazing adventures that she's had in her now almost 30 years in event planning and the event planning industry. As always, you can head over to unchartedjourneys.net to sign up for our email list, as well as check out the links and resources and show notes. So thanks again for listening and see you next time. Until then, enjoy your journey. Working.